let's open up with a little bit of prayer and just invite the, the presence of the Lord. I already recognize, who recognizes that God is here today? Yes. Amen? If you don't, that's okay. He is. No. Hopefully you'll find that out because he is here today. God, you are good. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Jesus, you are on the throne. Jesus, you are alive and you are here. And we know that whatever we need is in you. Thank you for not giving up on us, for never leaving us, and for never forsaking us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We started a series called Made to Belong. We started it on Easter, and I'll just break down. If you haven't been here for the past two, this is the third part of it, but I'll break down kind of where we're at. We started talking about the resurrection because that's what you talk about on Easter. I mean, Jesus is alive, and that's what makes the difference is we serve a God who lives, is that he is on the throne right now. Yes, he died on the cross, but it did not stop there. He is alive on the throne above every problem that we face. And we talked about that's what we belong to. We belong to a faith with a living God who is alive. Last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus said that he will not take us, I mean, when we are in his hand, nothing can snatch us out of his hand because nobody is greater than him. And we talked about how we've all been dealt different hands in life. We pulled up some cards, and, and we're not responsible for the cards that we got, but we just need to play our hand well because we are in his hand. And, and as you see this one, sometimes you get some, some deuces. Sometimes it feels like the world deuces all over you. I mean, let's just be honest about that. <laughs> Yesterday, I'm mowing the grass. Got a new mower for this season. My other mower was super dangerous, had no shut off. Like, it wouldn't shut off. If it hit my foot, it would just take the whole thing off. And So I upgraded to the cheapest one I could find at Walmart that had a bag on it. And I went to mow my grass, and I'm feeling pretty good about life. And I'm in the backyard. I did the front yard. And my wife comes out and said, did you break the window on the car? I said, ha, 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 don't mess with me. No, I did. The window on the car was shattered. It's out there. You can see it with duct tape and garbage bags because there is no way to fix a window on the weekend. So sometimes you get dealt deuces, but that's not All you do is you play your hand well. You will not lose when you are in his hand. It doesn't matter what life deals you. That's hard to believe, but it's true. No matter what life comes your way, if you're in his hand, you, are, you belong to him. And so that was the first message was we serve a God who's resurrected. The second message was was that we are in his hand, we belong to him, we will not be um, taken out of. And then this is the third message, and we're going to talk today about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the fact that we belong to a mission to share this word everywhere. You know, do you know that when we talk about the Great Commission, and we're going to go over the Great Commission today, uh, do you know that I think it's like 50% of the people in the church do not understand that we are called to be on mission with Jesus. This is 50% of the people that come to church, not even people that call themselves Christians that, that never have time to actually make their way to a church, and, and that's okay. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just being honest. But 50% of the people do not understand that we are on a mission with Jesus, and we belong to that mission. And so we're going to try to talk about that today. In fact, um, a little story. I, I, I met with somebody this week, Jason. And uh, we try to meet regularly and just trying to stay in touch. And he helps lead small groups, which we have a new small group season coming for the summer. And we're putting that together. And we'd love for you to try out some small groups. 
But we're talking about that. Uh, but it was that day I think I had woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Have you ever woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning and there's just no reason for it? It's horrible. All right, so I sat there for about an hour, and I was like, well, I'm not going back to sleep. And so I said, well, I'll get up, and I started to pray. So it's 4 o'clock, I'm praying, and I'm reading my Bible, and I just had the desire to, to share the gospel. Because there were two things that came to me when I got saved, when I became a Christian. One, if I believe this thing about Jesus being the only way, how can I not share it? And two, I need to get myself in church. Nobody had to invite me to church. I invited myself. So instantly, I would share the gospel everywhere. But it's been a while. Yeah, I share it on Sundays, but that's easy. Sharing it with somebody you don't know and sharing it outside of church can be hard. And so we, we hung out, we talked, and then I said, hey, man, you want to do something fun? Now, he didn't know I'd already been planning this since early in the morning. I'd already been praying about this since early in the morning and been sending out prayers, asking God to help us and be with us. He's like, what do you mean? And we're walking out of this place, and I said, let's just go share Jesus with the first person we see. He's like, really? I was like, what's the worst that could happen? So we walk out the door, and we see this lady, and she's about a mile and a half down the road. He's like, her? I'm like, that's far. <laughs> and I was like, all right, Lord, well, I guess that's the worst that could happen. So we started walking down the road, and then she made a left, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and then there was this young guy coming out of this building, and I was like, well, he's as good as any. Right? So I did a trick, and this is something you can use. We're doing a series after this one called Ask Anything. And if you go to tinyurl.com slash asklakeside, you can ask any question you want because we know there's a lot of craziness out in the world. And so I went and being crafty, I caught him by cunningness in the scripture. I went up to him, and Jason's just with me, and he, he's all 40. He's like, let's do this. And I said, hey, can I ask you a question? He's like, sure. I said, I go to this church, and the pastor's doing this series. He didn't have to know that I'm the pastor, all right? I'm trying to set it up so anybody can do it. I said, the pastor's doing this series. And he said that we have to find just the hard questions that people are asking. And you're young, you're out there. What questions are people asking? So he asked this question. And I already had planned. I was like, no matter what he asks, I'm just going to ask why until I get to a place where I could share the gospel. So he shared a question, and I said, why? And he said, well, because it's important for people to respect other people. I said, why? Because that's just the way it is. And then I stopped and I said, well, you know what the scripture says? And we walked with him the whole way. We're walking down the road wherever he's going because we're, we're invading his life with the gospel. And I share, well, you know why I think it's important to respect people is because we were made in the image of God. And even though your skin color and my skin color are not the same, like, you're made in God's image, I'm made in God's image. And so as somebody made in God's image, it's important for us to respect each other. In fact, my grandma used to worship, um, did, uh, like, voodoo. And she had a little statue in her house. This is true. And she would worship that statue, like, give it a little bit of vodka or some bread. I don't know. It was an alcoholic statue. I'm not sure what it was. But there was a statue that my grandma would worship. And my grandma would honor, but that was never what God intended because, in fact, the second commandment said make no image because he's already given an image. And by honoring your fellow man, you're honoring him. He's like, well, that makes sense. And I said, have you ever heard of the gospel? 
said, no. So we sat there. We broke down the gospel, shared him the message of Jesus Christ, that he came to earth, he lived a perfect life, he died, he rose again, and that is what provides us victory over sin, Satan, and death. And it was fun. But like, I'm the pastor of this church. And that sometimes is hard for me. It's hard to make the time. It's hard to to be brave. But I got to tell you something. The guy you're looking at, I'm pretty much of a chicken. I am. I was the guy that even like before the Lord, I didn't even like talk people at like stores. I'm not asking anybody for help. I'm not asking, I'd have to get my friends, be like, go. Like, I had a group of friends I would talk to, and I'd get them to do stupid things. And I, held be- I hid behind acting cool, but really, I was just afraid, and they were dumb. And so I could, <laughs> I could get them to go do things that I wanted to do, um, but it was really fear. But God has changed me, and I figure if he could change a chicken like me, he could change every single person in here. But let's look at the mission of Jesus Christ. There's a book, there's a verse, it's in your uh, bulletin, and I think the Bible app might not be working. Normally we're in there, um, but if it's not working, I apologize. We'll make sure it's working good for next week. Um, but it's in the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 33, and I'm sorry, verse 43, and we're going to get that on there. It said, this is Jesus talking. It's in the book of Luke, chapter 4, which is what we call a gospel, and it's in the beginning because chapter 4 is pretty near the front. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus was in a town. He was doing miracles. He was doing things. And people were saying, Jesus, just stay here. Just stay here. And Jesus says, no, because he could do that because he's king. And he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus knew from the beginning of his ministry that he was sent for a purpose, and it's my idea that that same purpose belongs to everyone who calls on his name. It's not just him, it's not just me, but it's all of us in here, because this is a very important message. It's called the gospel of the kingdom. In fact, you really can't separate gospel and kingdom. The word gospel, I think I put it in yellow on there, has a few meanings, but it means good news. Obviously, if, you, if you've been in church anytime you've heard good news, But it's more than that. It's not just like good news, you save a bunch of money on your car insurance. That's how we treat it. Good news, you don't have to go to hell, believe in Jesus. Good news. That's not what it's saying. It really is tied into the fact of a coming king. That is a word that means good news. There's victory. The king is one and he's on the throne. In the secular world, they would use it because they didn't have internet They didn't have news. So you would send out a messenger when you won and say, I won the battle. Go tell everybody I won and I'm in charge. So it's good news. Jesus has won the victory. The announcement of a new king. Now there's a blank on there for gospel. And I'm going to give you some words and I'm going to show you a math thing. Don't get mad about math. If you don't like math, deal with it. But I was a math teacher. So sometimes I think like that. It said the gospel. Here's a paragraph. So if you're an English type person, feel free to write it down in that blank. It says, the good news that Jesus' death and resurrection proves that he is king. And he has victory over sin, 
Satan, and death. That's a good victory right there. If you are in sin today, Jesus has victory over that sin. If the enemy is wearing you out, in fact, we got a word this morning. Somebody gave a, a word that we were praying. We were praying before service because we believe in this stuff. And somebody said, I really feel that there's going to be people today that they come hopeless. They're going to come really hopeless. Feel, hopeless is a horrible place to be. But Jesus doesn't want them to be hopeless. And if the enemy has beat you down to make you feel hopeless, Jesus is bigger than the enemy. And death, because we know that one day we will live again. He will resurrect us. Well, that's one way to put it. Here's the math thing. And so the first thing, I put a slide in there, and you guys that are doing the slides follow along, is L plus D plus R. Put that on, look, put that on the screen, please. I believe it's in there. And if it's not, write it down on your paper. L plus D plus R. His life being perfect and sinless. His death as he died in the place of us, and his resurrection. This is the gospel. Life, death, and resurrection of Christ. What it equals for us, and you can put this on here, is this is going to be a fraction. Jesus over everything. He's the king. He lived a perfect life. He died a death he didn't deserve, and he was raised from the dead by God the Father. And now he is over everything. Jesus over everything. That's the good news. Do you live that way? Do you believe that way? Jesus over everything. Everything in our lives, the good news is he is king. It's not just an escape plan. You have to understand this. The gospel is not just believe in Jesus so you don't have to go to hell. That's a big part of it. And that's all you get good because hell would be terrible. But it really is the fact that he has died. He went to the lowest possible point, and now he is on top of everything, the highest possible point. He is over everything. Everything in your life, every dollar in your bank account, every breath in your lungs, every Satan, every demonic force of Satan, every sin that you struggle with, every fear that you have, Jesus is over it all. The death that you and I will face, one day these bodies will die. And that won't even stop the work that he's doing. Because he's going to dig into the ground and he's going to pick you up and make you live again. Nothing is greater than Jesus Christ. You will live again. The announcement of a new king. Jesus over everything. Now, knowing that, what do we do? So if you look at, at, at the death, the resurrection of Christ, is what happens next once he's alive? Well, Jesus tells us in Matthew 28, and it's in your, your paper, and you can turn there. It says, now the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. That's why I know the Bible's true. These guys never made themselves look good. You see the disciples making mistakes, denying Jesus, selling him out. And after he has been raised from the dead, it still says some doubted. It's not about them. The gospel's not about me. Dan said that was Chris and Lakeside, they did this. It was Christ. You forgot a T. 
It was Christ and Lakeside. It's the Jesus in me. Because without Jesus, I'm nothing. And so some doubted. And Jesus came to them and he said, now this is important, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority. Heaven, earth, he's king. Next verse, verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is our mission. This is what we've been called to. I'm going to break down some of these words. The first thing, make disciples of all nations. Disciples, that's not a word you use a lot. At least if you're not in church, outside of the church, you don't use the word. Disciples, let's talk about what is a disciple. A disciple is someone that is learning to live like Jesus lived and do what he did. You're becoming disciplined. You're becoming changed. You are being committed to Christ. A disciple is someone that learns to live like Jesus lived and do what Jesus did. And then it says, of all nations. That's a key. Of all nations. That's why I could talk to my friend on the street who looked very different physically than me, and I knew that it had no bearing on God's plan for him. That God's plan for him, even though we looked different on the outside, we were somehow still both made in the image of God. And that all nations need to hear this. This is a word for all nations. If you're racist, you need to stop that. Not good. We believe, and I'll say that many times, your church should look like your DMV. If it doesn't, why? And we'll think about that. Because he came for all nations. In fact, when the Holy Spirit came, the people spoke in all kinds of different tongues, all different kinds of languages, and all nations were able to come together. So it shouldn't matter what your skin looks like, what language you speak, where you were born. All nations need to hear this message. And they need to become disciples. Because the thing is, is that all of us, doesn't matter what your up upbringing was, all of us got to change. All of us got to be different. I might be better at one thing than you, and I might be farther along on this side, but I'm still working on this. And vice versa. So become disciples, people that learn to live like Jesus lived and do what Jesus did. And then he said, baptizing them. Now, baptism, we do believe in water baptism here. If you've not been baptized, do it. I believe in baptizing people. But it means more than just getting into some water and getting out. That's a key, but it also, it has the word immersion. Being immersed, being completely surrounded. If you look up the word in the Greek, and it talks about being baptized in one spirit into the body of Christ. So if you're going to disciple people, you need to immerse them into the body of Christ. Yes, water baptism is a part of it, but it's just not that. Don't get dunked and disappear. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That was a big ritual. You came and you said, yes, I'm giving up my old life and I'm getting baptized and I'm going down into the water identifying with Christ's death and I'm coming up 
a new life, resurrected. Just like when the water breaks on the baby, that water breaks and you come out and you are believing in Jesus to give you a new life, that you would be born again. But then you become part of his body. You become immersed in his body. That was Dan's story. Dan was kind of not saved in church like me. He had nowhere to really find good fellowship, but that's why God sent us here. And he's very honest. He's like, I don't even like church. But you can't get rid of this guy. He calls me. He talks to me. He puts all this stuff together. And he does it because he loves the Lord, because he knows he's trying to create a space. And that's what the dream team tries to do. You want to be a part of this mission? You can be a part of something we call the dream team, which are the people that help serve here, whether it's on worship or in kids or putting media together or, or getting food that we're about to eat in a little bit. But we're coming and we're trying to create a place where people can become immersed in the life and the, of the body of Christ. It's too easy sometimes just to sit next to people as strangers in a lecture. That's not what Jesus was talking about when he talked about his church. He was talking about having people you could know and that you could, that could pray with you and that could lift you up. So being immersed in the body of Christ, specifically his body. Teaching. This is simple. Helping people learn what they don't know about Christ. You probably know something more than somebody else. You may not be able to share with them all the deep intricacies of every theological point. But you might be able to show somebody how to pray. You might be able to tell somebody what it means to be forgiven. And the fact that God has never left you and forsaken you. And, and help teach them what they don't know. We should all be learning. And we should all be in some sense teaching. Not up here every Sunday because that would just take forever. Nobody has time for that. But in some sense... You could be teaching somebody. You could be sharing somebody who's just a little bit behind you. And our goal is that we take everybody who's a little bit behind us, and they go farther than we ever could. We'll win if Dan has a church that's twice, three, four times the size of this church. If Dan's out there getting a group of people together in a different place, like some, something like that. Maybe not Dan, but why not? Go do it, Dan. We'll help you out. All right? But that's it. You take people farther. You teach them what they don't know about Christ. Now, let's go. That was how Matthew ended Jesus' life on earth. Jesus, after that, he said that. He said, go everywhere. It really wasn't a suggestion. Kings don't give suggestions. I want you to hear that because some of you are ignoring me. It's not saying, go, therefore, into all the world. Eh, I got time. Or is it Jesus over everything? It's the great commission, not the great suggestion. For every believer, not just for a few. Well, this is how Luke ends it. So it's in the book of Luke, and I'll be wrapping up soon. It's chapter 24. It says, and he said to them, chapter 24, verse 46, and he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Begin in Jerusalem. Same thing, what is the gospel, the death and resurrection of Christ that we might repent or turn from everything in this world 
to God. Repentance means turn. Turn from our sins, turn from our selfishness, turn from our lust, turn from our perversion, turn from our distraction, turn from our apathy that nothing in this world would matter more than him, and that we turn to Jesus because he has the name above all names. He is the king. Begin in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. But then he says something interesting. Behold, I am sending to you the promise. This is verse 49. I am sending to you the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until after you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was taken up into heaven. So Matthew makes it very clear, great commission, not suggestion. Go, get out there and go. Luke still says to go, but he says go, but before you go, wait. It's not really differences as much as it's just two perspectives on the story. Because Luke was the one who wrote Acts, who talked about what happened when the Holy Spirit came. So he tells all of the people after the most significant event ever, the death and resurrection of Jesus, wait in Jerusalem until you get the promise of my Father. Power from on high. Matthew talked about authority. Luke talked about power. I want to try to explain something to you. Authority, that is the right to do something. The IRS has the right to look into my bank account and take what they want. They have the right to find me. They have the right to do this and that and the other. They have the right. Police officers have the right, the authority, to pull me over and stop me when I'm going what I think is a reasonable speed. <laughs> they have the right to do that. It's, it's, it's the right. You have the right, hear me, to share the gospel with someone. We get pretty afraid in this day and age to interfere with other people. What right do I have to tell them what I believe? They believe in the spaghetti monster in the sky. That's okay. And I'm not saying people can't believe what they want. Let them believe what they want. But you have the right, when led by the Holy Spirit, to interrupt somebody's day. See, after I went with Jason and after we shared the gospel with that young man, I said, you know what, I'm not done. So I'm like, Lord, show me what else to do. Pumping gas. People at a bus stop. Let's do this. I went and I shared my faith with them. I have the right. They're waiting for the bus. I guarantee you hearing about the gospel is going to make the bus ride just a little bit better if it's done correctly. In fact, you have the right to interrupt everybody. One day... Um, this was when we moved from, because we lived in Virginia, and we moved to Missouri, which that's a pretty far drive, and we're driving back and forth, and my mother-in-law's with us, and we had kids in our minivan, right, that's the kind of life we live, minivan style, so we're in this minivan, we're driving across the country, there's a lot of kids in there, they're about as happy as they could be, and I do, maybe, I don't know if this is illegal, and don't tell me if it is, but I put headphones in, so I can't hear anything else but audiobooks and music, and Wife takes care of the kids, and I'm driving across, and we're doing that, and I'm tired, and I got to go to work, and we stop at a gas station, and I'm just not really feeling spiritual. Didn't take away the authority I have to share the gospel. 
I see these people far away, and I'm already trying to get home, and they're sitting on another bus bench. And I feel like God spoke to me and said, go pray for one of those people over there. So you need to pray for somebody. I didn't know it was a bus bench. It just looked like a couple guys hanging out. So I'm mad. I'm like, really? On this trip, I got to be over there, and I'm already a long time here, and I had to stop for gas, and now the kid has to go pee, and now my wife has to go pee, and I already don't have time. And now, God, you're going to ask me to go over there and shit. Fine. Real spiritual attitude. But I just felt like he wanted. And so in that attitude that was not perfect, and don't be like that. Don't be like me. Be better than me. But in that attitude, I walked over to this, and I realized it was a bus bench as, as we drove over. And they're like, where are you going? And I'm like, I got to do something. And they're like, do what? And I'm like, you'll just give me a second. I jump out of the car, and there's about five to seven people there. God wants me to pray for one of you. Who is it? This one guy goes, me. I'm like, it's not you. I'll pray for you, but it's not. And then this other guy stands up, young guy. And, and what I didn't realize is that he was in prison issue clothes, sweatpants, and shirt. And he had his papers because he said, I was just released. And I'm going back home to Ohio. And I'm so afraid I'm going to wind up in the lifestyle that I left. And I've just been so nervous. I should be happy, but I'm scared. So I prayed with him and told him that God loves him and God knows what he's afraid of and God is with him and that Jesus is above everything and he could take care of him. And then I prayed for the other guy because I said I was going to do that. <laughs> About his meaning. No, I'm just kidding. I did pray, honestly, but, but I knew who God had sent me there for. You have the right to do that. But do you have the power? The authority is the right to do that. The power is the ability to do something. The ability to do something. My cousin, I'm not trying to make fun of her, but my wife's family, I'm, now if you see me, I'm like a giant in that family. I walk in there, it's Jolly Green Giant. My wife is one of the tallest people. You can see my brother-in-law up there. He's one of the next tallest people. It's, it's like the Hobbit Village. I'm not trying to make fun of them, but that's just the size of most of the people in there. So I walk in and in Miami, I feel real tall. Outside of there, you people are just way too big for me. But I walk into this family, and so her cousin is a girl, and she's got to be under five foot. I mean, maybe with heels on, she's five foot. But she's a police officer. Now, she's in shape. She's CrossFit. She's P90X. She just became a police officer. And I'm like, what is she going to do? You get the, I mean, think about it. She has the authority, but then they give her some power. Do you understand the difference? You need them both together. You should not use power without authority, and you should not use authority without power. In fact, it talked about people in the book of Acts trying to use the name of Jesus. They tried to use the authority of Jesus without the power of Jesus, and they got beat up. But when you tie them together, God has that for each of you. The authority to share his word, and he will give you power. Now, what do I mean by power? I mean the ability to do what needs to be done. If it's pray for somebody at a bush bench, if it's, if it's interrupt somebody's life, if it's be a little sneaky and use that survey as, hey, can I talk to you and ask a question? And I just knew God was with me. You have the power. 
not in you, but it's given to you because Jesus is above everything. And so as we wrap up today, I know that every time I talk about sharing the gospel, people, they get scared. And you're probably scared because you don't think you have the authority. Who are you to tell somebody? It doesn't have to be scary. You have the right. You can tell somebody. You can say, did you know that God has a great plan for your life? How do you know that? Because he loves you so much that at your worst, he died for you. And he lives again, and he's for you. He loves you. He wants to work in your life. That's true for every person on this planet. And you have the right to say that. But you might need some power. You might need some Holy Spirit work through you, give you what you need to make the difference. And I don't know that we walk in that. But I know we need to. The right to do something and the ability to do something. So we're going to eat. I'm wrapping up. I'll close my laptop. I want you guys just to close your eyes just for a second. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe the gospel for the first time is beginning to make sense. Maybe Jesus is not over everything in your life. I don't know. There's people here I've never met before. But if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know God, if, you, if, if he is distant from you, he doesn't have to be because he died for you. If you don't know Jesus today and you would like to, would you put your hand up right where you're at? Amen. Amen. Well, if you want to know Jesus, the people that raise their hand, you have to come to him through faith in what he did. You have to believe that he died and rose again for you and that in him your sins are forgiven and he died so that you could live. And then you just need to talk to him. Tell him that's what I believe, God. I believe this. And I want you to work in me. If you'd like, you could pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe you died for me. And I believe you're alive. I believe you've covered my sins. Make me new. Change me from the inside out. Because you are my Lord. You are over everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I think the second part, and we're done. How many people in here, you feel stirred as I've been speaking? It wasn't Chris who was speaking, but maybe God was challenging you to be active in either getting involved in church, whether it's this church or another church. I don't care where you're involved in, but go make some good church good. Go make a good church better. Or maybe challenge to share your faith. Maybe you're like Jason. I was like, and no offense to Jason. He's like, I've never done that before. I was like, you've never done that before? It was foreign to me. 
because how could you hold this in? And maybe you've never done that before, and I'm not like on your case, but, but you know what he said? He said, next time, let's not even talk. Let's just go do that for an hour. I was like, cool, because he realized how good it feels to share the gospel with somebody. Maybe you've been challenged to share your faith. Maybe you used to do it before like me, and you kind of slacked off, or maybe you've never done it before, but you would like to share your faith with somebody. You'd like to share Jesus with someone, and you're not afraid to, to try this week. This week, I'm putting a time frame on it. can't do this, you won't be able to share your faith. If that's you, just stand up. If you're willing to share your faith this week, just stand up. If you can't do it here, you won't be able to do it out there, and that's okay. And I'm, if you're sitting down, that's fine. We're going to sing. There's a song called Reckless Love. And it's the idea that God's love is big enough for any, pro- any problem that we have. And so you might feel reckless. You might feel afraid. You might, when I've preached this message in almost every state I've preached, people that go out and share their faith, they see results. I've seen people, waitresses get saved because somebody all of a sudden wasn't afraid to share their faith. I've seen people's friends get saved and If you're not afraid, it takes a little bit of being reckless. And maybe all you do is invite them to church, but that might be a big step for you. This song about reckless love is the fact that God's love is reckless, only in the sense that he gave up everything for you. And he will be with you in this event. I believe if you sing this song, I believe before I I came today, I believe God's spirit will fill you. And I believe you can leave here with some power. And then after we do this, we're going to eat and we're going to hang out for a little bit.